Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. If you brought a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 7, if you would, please. I'll tell you about a couple of CDs and change for your time. Amen. Now, just real quick, um, you know, <laughs> technology is a funny thing. Um, it, it keeps changing, right? And so, you know, CDs came out. We thought, wow, that's really something, right? You can get all those messages on one. You didn't even have to flip the tape over to get the rest of the message, right? Remember back in the day? And you hear it start gargling, and you knew it was eating your tape in there. <laughs> Pass the pencil. <laughs> Hopefully I can get it back out of there, amen? So anyways, sorry if you're too young for that, amen. We're just kind of reminiscing a little bit. Back on the cave wall, hallelujah. But anyways, um, you know, now CDs have come out, and a lot of cars anymore don't even have CD players in them. So they've gone to a thing called USB, but I looked into USBs and I think they're a wonderful tool. But for what I do, I felt like it added too much overhead to really get done what I wanted to do. And plus, the truth is, it's kind of like the old, you know, um, Lucy and and Charlie Brown kicking the football. About time I get USB, somebody's going to move it. Amen. And then I'm going to end up on my rump again. Hallelujah. So what I what I've done is if people want to download, if you want it digitally that way, you can go to the CD table and you can buy what's a, a code. That code will allow you to go to my website, whatever CD you want, then you can download that to your smartphone, your iPad, whatever you want to do with it, that's up to you. And then you have it that way, but you can purchase it tonight. Amen, the instructions are there on how to do it. I ask you to try to do it within the next 30 days because I don't want a whole bunch of them out there lingering because you dropped it under your car seat and it fell into the abyss, right, between... <laughs> It's down there somewhere by your last cell phone. Hallelujah. Amen. So you can do it that way. Or if you're old school, you can get the CDs. Praise God. You know, anymore, there's like two churches in the church, right? There's the old people and there's the kids and everybody. Every phone should come with a 12-year-old to tell you how to use it. Amen. Amen. So I have a couple of CDs um, that, you know, I preach what, what the Lord talked to me about. So that's kind of my, my niche. But um, I have a message I call the paintbrush of God. I've had it out for a season, but it's really blessed a lot of people. Um, my father was a good, good man, but he was born. And as a young man, he faced a thing called the Great Depression. And without meaning to, he taught us how to think like that. And it took me unlearning a lot of things in order to obey what God had for me. And I just call it the paintbrush of God. You know, when God came to Gideon, he said, Hail thou, the angel said, Hail thou mighty men of valor. And what's Gideon do? He says, no, I'm not. I'm the least of them, all my family. and My family is the least of all of Israel. He's battling between who God says he is and who man says he is. Which one is he? You'll listen to a good pastor, and we have several of them here. They will repaint that picture of how you see you. See, I'll leave here, your pastor, you'll leave your church or do whatever, but you'll carry around with you how you see you. And if you're not careful, what will happen is opportunities will come, but you can't see yourself that way. So you will walk right past your God-given opportunities and go without, and you're asking God, Lord, where's my answers? Well, he gave you about four of them today. Amen. But you didn't take hold of them because you just can't see yourself that way. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget. I was talking to a brother one time and he said, you know, uh, he made good money. And I said, how did you 
how did you come across this kind of income? He was making about $300,000 at 30 years old. Now, I know that's nothing to you, but to me, that was a lot of money. And I asked him, I said, how, how, how is it you came across this kind of income? He said, well, I just can't see myself working for less than 100 grand. Why would I do that? And it dawned on me, we could look at the same help wanted ads. He would never apply for anything under six figures. I would never apply for anything over six figures. I don't need a devil. I'm doing it to myself. Make sense? And until I let the Lord begin, as a man thinks in his heart, till you, till you change this, we can, we can do all the rest all day long. But if we don't change this, right, then you'll go out. You can move different city, different, do whatever, but you will rebuild there the same problems you built here if we don't fix this picture. Amen. So that was something that I dealt with, and I, hopefully it's a blessing to people. And then the other one I just want to tell you a little bit about is called Seizing Spiritual Opportunities. And I, I tell a lot of different verses in here and such, but um, Proverbs, says, <clears throat> Proverbs says that the, the things that the poor needs are in the field that he isn't using, right. right? They're in the follow ground. In the in the field of the poor is follow ground that he isn't using. And it isn't because he doesn't have the field, but he's not using it to get the productivity that he needs. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So we break that verse down because King Solomon, who's a billionaire by any stretch of the imagination, is writing it by the Holy Spirit. And, and what it means is, is if you don't take hold of what you're been given, right? Then eventually you lose those God-given opportunities. The Bible says, and there is what is swept away. Hophni and Phinehas were in the same temple as Samuel. Hophni and Phinehas lost their priesthood and Samuel found his priesthood. All serving in the same church, hearing the same sermons and the same worship at the same time. One man finds the anointing, another man loses his. Why? Because Samuel sees the spiritual opportunity. So we talk about that. I tell some other stories about that. So those are those are back there and that's out there. Amen. Amen. Did you find Sam? Sorry, did you find Acts yet? Here we go. Acts chapter six is the verse the Lord gave me when I first began serving the Lord. And um, I was reading this through. Most people know these verses. Acts chapter 6 talks about the church. Let's read it here. Verse 1, it says, Now in those days the number of the disciples was multiplying. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. The twelve, that's the apostles, summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The same pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen. That's who we're going to focus on. A man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius of Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they had set before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. This is probably one of the key ministry of helps text in all of your scripture. What the apostles were doing was saying, okay, the, this group of widows isn't being properly taken care of. 
The Hellenists were what we would call their Jews, but they're from Greece. They've, they've come, they've gotten born again, they've given their heart to God, but because they're not from around here, every time they went to give out benevolence, right, food, clothing, whatever they're doing, this group kept getting skipped over. Precious church people. When Peter, James, and John find out about it, they don't even pray about it. They said, you guys are done. They don't, there's no counseling meeting. There's no sit on the couch and tell us how bad you had it growing up. You're done. Now, I don't think you kick them out of the church because then where do they go to get help? But they relieved them of this duty. They said, you can't be in charge of this anymore. So they found this second group of men stepping, and that's who I'm going to focus on. Now, here's my, here's my point why I read this scripture. I was in Dr. Barclay's church, called of God. The Lord had already visited me and told me he wanted me in the ministry. Nobody's calling. I can't figure this all out. You know what I'm talking about? It's like I meant, said last night, you're just looking for your place in God, but you can't quite find your niche. It's a very frustrating place to live. And I'm going through my trailer one night, and the Lord speaks to me, and he says, go get your Bible and sit down. Let's talk for a minute. Well, I was blown away. I said, yes, sir. Went and got my Bible, and I sat down. I had a little round glass table somebody had given us, and I sat down, and I began to read these same verses. When I got to verse 8, it says this. It said, and Stephan, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10, the nine talks about a group that rose up against him. It says this, it says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. I was so awestruck at this deacon who had come into the church and was able to flow with God like this. If you'll read through here, go to verse 54. It says, it says, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, say that, full of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. When I read that, I stopped and I bowed my head there sitting at the table that night. I said, God, where? I talk about this all the time. You know, I only have my testimony. I'm not going to come up with another one if you're not impressed with this one. I only have my story. And I said, where did Stephan get this wisdom? Where is this place? Where is this school? Where do I go that I can learn to flow with you like that, that I can get this wisdom that Stephan had? And I, when I, I honestly said, is there some underground church in China? Should I go there? I'll relocate, right? If I'm not where I need to be, I'll go to where I need to be. But I need to walk with you like this guy did. That's when the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, there's no Bible school listed there. Read it for yourself. So I, back then, too old, there was no iPad. You couldn't just pull up the phrase. So I went back and I began to read Acts chapter 2. Peter comes out on the day of Pentecost, verse 37, sorry, verse 36. It says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
37, and when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That cut to the heart that you see in Acts 7, 54, is the exact same phrase you see in Acts chapter 2 here, 37. And that's when the Lord dealt with me. He said, son, Peter didn't get it from a Bible, or sorry, Stephen didn't get it from a Bible school. He got it from his pastor, Peter. The old Pentecostals, and I know I teased them a little bit ago, but they had this great saying when I first came into the kingdom. They said, the things of the Spirit are caught, not taught. Say that with me. The things of the Spirit are caught, not taught. I mean, there are certain things in, your, in the grace that God has for you, I can't teach you. You catch it being around the anointing. And if you're not around it, there's no substitute for that. I can't, I can't tell you every little thing. My wife, Janine, had a, had a great expression. One of, she raised our kids, and then she had a, had a daycare for years. And um, one of the young mothers came to her in our church and said, you know, Janine, could you mentor me? Could you help me? And she made this statement. I'll never forget it. She said, I'll help you, but I'm not going to sit around and drink coffee with you. Coffee isn't what you need. She said, you come with me and help me cut out stuff for children's church. I got to redo all the walls. I got signs to put up. I got things to do. I got places to vacuum and straighten up. That's what I'm doing. If you want to learn what I do, come with me. But to sit here and drink coffee, I don't have time for it. And folks, in a nutshell, that's what you, the thing I can, you have to catch it. I can't teach it to you. Peter caught it. Sorry, Stephen caught it from being around Peter. Peter caught it from being around Jesus Christ. The anointing transfers, but it, it's caught. It's not taught. I can tell you about it all day long, how God uses you. You can, you can come today and you can say, well, um, you know, Pastor Phyllis had a, had a tongue and, and Pastor had an interpretation in the back room. They did last night. They flow in that gift. But it's, it's almost impossible to teach you with verses how to do that. You just have to be around it. I remember standing behind Dr. Barclay many times and I'm ushering, he's working. He said, I see something in the spirit. I know it's going to sound stupid, Pastor. I used to go stand behind him and try to look through his glasses. <laughs> I was so hungry. How did you see that? How did you learn? God? Where, where do I go? Where did you go to get this? I want to walk with God, don't you? I'm glad he had his miracles and his testimonies. I'm looking for mine. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. Familiar set of verses. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 14. So they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, now you almost got to brace yourself, Simon's going off again. Here we go, but watch this. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are, you, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then he goes on, he says, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of heaven won't prevail against it. I saw something in here. You know, you read a verse for a million times. When Jesus said, who am I? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Did Jesus teach him that? Jesus had never uttered those words. He caught it. Jesus didn't taught it. Make sense? Pardon my English, but it just... He caught what his pastor hadn't taught. He caught the spirit. It was getting on him, being around Jesus' ministry. And Jesus made such a deal, he stopped and he said, that's how I'm going to build the whole kingdom. That's how I'm going to build the whole kingdom. You'll catch being around the anointing what God has for you. Part of, your, part of your call, part of your assignment in the helps ministry isn't to just connect to the pastor, it's to connect to the pastor's God. Amen. The man, the physical body, Jesus Christ, didn't teach him that. Jesus God taught him that. He didn't get it from a sermon. Does that make sense? He connected with the God that was instruct the Father that was instructing Jesus. That's what Jesus stopped and he said, that's how everything's going to get done in my kingdom. That's how this is going to work. I'll talk to you directly. You won't have to get it. Amen. The things of the spirit are, say it with me, they're caught. They're not taught. They'll be taught. Things will be taught, but you'll catch it being around. I'll never forget. It was one of the first times pastor took a meeting down in um, Durham, North Carolina. Where he's in Durham, North Carolina. He got an invitation. You know, we'd get all kinds of different invitations. There'd be long form letters and some would be this and that and fancy letterhead and nice, you know, some people have real nice, um, um, you know, paper and all of that kind of thing. This invitation came in. It was in pencil written on a half a sheet of paper. So I didn't give too much, right? It's like we we're talking in a, way, in a way to church. You don't really know what God will use. So I didn't give it too much weight. I just kind of I gave pastor a list of all the invitations. And I, I just said, you know, this one came in. He said, set that up. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let's just say their helps team was representative of the half a sheet of paper written on pencil. His words, and I heard them a million times. I said, Pastor, I'm not really getting calls back. I'm not getting information. I'm not getting this. He said, well, obviously, he said, you're going to have to do their job and yours. Because I got nothing else to do today. Okay. Just hear me out. One time he asked me for my list, my to-do list. I always kept a log of everybody I needed to call back. He asked me, he said, I want your your list of, of what you're working on. So I printed it out. It was 82 people I had to call back that day. That's a pretty good size workload in eight hour day before cell phones. And so we're I'm working this whole thing out. We we drove down at that time. He was in between planes. He didn't have a plane. So we drove down. We set it all up. And I mean, brother, I'm a one man band. 
Did you ever see these guys on the corner that they got the drums on their stomach and they got the cymbals on their knees and they're, they got the little harmonica and the toot toot and they're, I mean, you know, everything they do. That's how I feel in the helps ministry. I am setting up the table. I am ushering. I am taking care of the catching people at the all. I, I am doing everything but singing, which you don't want me to do. I mean, seriously, I, I'm it. I'm it. I haven't stopped in two days, right? We're going through all of that. And in the middle of that, pastor stops and he says, I see a vision of a hammer. And it's going to someone and it's going to break the walls down in your life. And when he said that in a flash, I knew right where he was going. Kind of like in this church, be right where you are, Brother Greg, but in a little bit. And I honestly, I started going before he did. And I had to stop at the aisle and I said, well, I can't beat the prophet to the prophecy. That's not going to work. So I had to stop and let him pass me. And then I quickly ran around. As soon as he touched it, I mean, over she went. It was it was wood pews, kind of an old Church of God type thing. And so I, I ran and I, I caught this lady and I set her down. And it took me a minute to realize what had happened. And I said, I, I'm catching it. I, I'm catching it. I don't have to try to look through his glasses anymore. It didn't happen all the time, but it happened sometime. And to flow with God, to get the beginning of I'm, I'm getting this. I'm, I'm not on the outside looking in anymore. I'm beginning to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm beginning to see his voice and to know how the gifts of the Spirit work. Tell his testimony all the time, but I was in the Philippines and I was preaching on the ministry of helps. And as I preached, I'm looking and the youth, you know, because I'm an American, this is English and they're used to Tagalog as their language. And I'm preaching away and the youth at first are paying attention. And then, you know, it's not hard to know when you lose the youth. Right. <laughs> they're passing notes. And, you know, I honestly in myself, I don't know why I said I could care less. I love this sermon. I'm going to preach it to me. If nobody else listens, I'm just going to enjoy myself up here. Amen. So I just kept preaching. I get done and I'm talking about the gift of the pastor. I always talk about Christmas gifts. Don't worry about the wrapping paper on the outside. God doesn't care. If your gift was wrapped in a burlap bag, would you care if it was a million dollars? Would you not open it because you don't like the wrapping paper? What do you care how God wrapped your gift? Don't get caught up on the outside, whether if it's the pastor, the worship team, the sound man or the children's church. Don't get caught up on the outside. That's just the paper God wrapped it in. It's that gift inside of you that'll change your life. I'm preaching away and and Greg, I get done and I look and the pastor's on the front row and he's weeping. I mean, brother, he's weeping. And I turned to him. I said, I said, pastor, come up here and take this. And he, he started to move. And I said, you know what we ought to do, everybody? We ought to just give pastor a cash offering today. If you brought any cash, let's let's just bless the man of God real good. Let's just bless him. He came up. And he's got money falling out of his hands. His wife, he is uncontrollably sobbing. You know what I'm talking about? It takes a lot to break a man down. He was down. And then his wife is trying to hold him up and she's weeping. I found out later what had happened in that church. In Asia in general, but particularly the Philippines, education, very high priority among the whole culture. If you can get a degree or you have a degree, you are very well respected. The previous pastor that had that work had been an engineer that got saved. 
So he attracted like business people into his congregation, and they were used to that. Well, Pastor Rod, when he took the church over, because that man decided to go back into business, when he took the church over, he had been a drug addict and lived on the streets in Manila. And he got marvelously, Brother Greg, he got just born again, I mean, dipped in the river all the way down, born again. He seriously, he could get anything saved. He could get anything saved. But he wasn't educated. And that congregation didn't like that. And they were trying to get rid of him and they hadn't paid him in weeks. His two girls, I think they were 10 and 12 years old, hadn't eaten in two weeks. And they were starving him out. Church people. When I told that testimony about receiving the gift of the pastor and, and what had happened, he began to weep. And when he came up, all the elders lined up with money and began to put it in his hands. It's the first time he'd been paid in two, three weeks. I took his family out to dinner afterwards. They wept for the entire meal for about an hour, hour and a half. God had moved in that church. To this day, he is now in charge of about 10 other churches in his region and still successful in the ministry. When he, I'll tell you what it meant to me. When, when he got done, when he got we got all done. I went back and I said, I'm not my pastor. I don't, I don't want to be my pastor. I don't want to pretend to be my pastor. I think he's a great prophet. I think I'd be a bad one. Right? But I want to know that God he knows. I want to walk with the same Holy Spirit he walks with. And isn't it something that God would use me in another land to save a church? So, Brother Ray, where did you learn to do that? Ushering, catching, coming in early. And the things of the Spirit really are caught. They're not taught. Let's look at some more verses. Is that all right? Let's go to the Old Testament. Find this in Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. Story about Moses going up to the top of the hill. This is a great picture type and shadow we get here. Let's read this together. I know it's a familiar set of verses, but let's pull some truths out of this. Exodus 17, 8. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel at Raphardim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out to fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat upon it. You know, every person is human. The best pastor, under the best anointing, will eventually come to a place where they can't do everything. They're not intended to do everything. Over the course of time, God will call someone alongside to help. That's us. That's what we do. I don't know what's happened to the body of Christ because so many people, it's almost like this, 
big guy, little guy that I can't really find scripturally. I see teams. I see Jesus and the 12. I see Peter, right, taking care of Jesus. I see, think about this for just a minute. Everybody Jesus found, he made better. Right? Jesus made Peter better. He made James better. He made John better. He even made Judas better. As long as Judas would listen to him, he made Judas better. Paul made Timothy better. He made Titus better. He made everybody around him better. David made all of his mighty men better. If you're a real man of God, a woman of God, you will find a way to make people better at their service with God, not worse. Amen. Amen. Part of that anointing is to upgrade everybody around you, not let them plateau, to keep moving them along in the things of God. Amen. And here we find Moses. He is doing his dead level best to help these people. And yet even this task now of holding this up, his hands get weary. Let's read 12 again. It says, but Moses' hands became heavy, so he took a stone and put it on. They took a stone and put it under him and he sat upon it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one side and on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Just pause there. You should record your victories, too. If God stopped this and said, stop, Moses, and write this down so Joshua doesn't forget it, you should stop once in a while and remember the things that God has done for you. Last night we talked about Jacob, how Jacob took that rock and he, he set it up. Why? As a, we would call it as a statue or a memorial. Remember when they crossed over the Jordan, God said, take 12 stones and set this up as a marker? Why? So you don't forget your victories. The teaching is on the, on the shepherd's staff that they would take and they would, mark, they would make etchings and it would remind them of their victories. David said that I fought the lion and the bear. He's remembering what God has used me for already. He's not just talking. He's talking to himself, too. There's times you have to remember, you know, I, I did this. I, I have what I call is, is my shepherd's staff, but I wrote it down and keep it on my phone. And, and I keep a marker there. Getting, getting filled with the Holy Spirit was one of the first victories I ever had. Sometimes people get, fat, get filled so quick now. I had to fast for a week, right? Because I was Lutheran. I had to unlearn a lot of things. They told me this wasn't for today. It blew me away. Marrying my wife, Janine, one of the first victories. I remember being all alone as a young man and praying, God, is there anyone who would want me? Would there be anybody who would take care of me that I can love, that I can take care of? And I see, I remember those victories. I remember the day I quit smoking for the 7,000th time. Right? And all those were victories. I don't ever belittle somebody that's fighting or that I can smell smoke on them. I fought that thing. It chased me. Both my parents smoked. My dad smoked Paul Mall non-filters. My mom smoked Marlboros. You, you come in the dining room in the morning, you know, there was a door at each end of the dining room. They'd be sitting there at the kitchen table. And, and the whole, like from the ceiling down to that doorway, you know, the, threat, the top of the doorway, that whole top foot would be full of smoke. Every morning. They'd be sitting there having a cup of coffee talking. Morning, Ray. Morning, Mom. <laughs> 
Sinners sin. That's what sinners do. I see you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. You record your victories. Even if to you they're a long time ago, you write them down. God used you before, he'll use you again. Amen. So that's, that's, and they supported his hands until the going down of the sun. And he told Joshua, right there, Moses, write this down. And, and he goes on. The Lord is, it says here, the Lord is my banner. We would say, we would say it this way. I fight under the flag of the Lord. Amen. Those, those ships sailing in the ocean, they have a flag like for our nation. This is who we belong to. That's what, that's what Moses is saying. Our flag now is Jehovah. That's the banner we go to war for. That's who we belong to. This, that right now, we're him. Or we're with him. That's where we belong. Amen? That's, that's us, folks. That's, the Lord is our banner. That's where we fight. Hallelujah. Here's my, here's my point. When I studied this out, and I have great respect for what Aaron and Hur did, right? They go and they hold up Moses' arms and they, they keep him strong. That's a wonderful, it's a great picture, great type and shadow. But my eye always goes to Joshua. Isn't it a little harder having people threaten to kill you than to hold up pastors' arms? Right? It seems like a little heavier duty than to be, be outside with the spirit of bow and arrow trying to keep the church doors open than the guy inside getting pastor a cup of coffee. Not putting down the coffee, people. I'm just saying. It seems like my duties have always been twice what other people's were. I realized one day, Aaron and her aren't going into the promised land. They're going to stay behind. Joshua will. He not only is going in, he's going in as the commander of the Lord's army. Read Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 5. God is getting Joshua ready for his tomorrows, and Joshua doesn't even know it yet. The things of the Spirit are caught. They're not taught. As Joshua serves and he works under Pastor Moses, he's being made ready for his future and his tomorrows. How you handle simple tasks your pastor asks you to do if you do it well, then it opens doors in your future and your tomorrow. And if you are sloppy with it, those doors will never, ever open for you. You'll have this call. You'll have this dream, but it won't come because you're not faithful in the little things God has given you now. If you don't succeed here, hear me. If you don't succeed here, your future doesn't open up. So many people are preaching their destiny and you're destined for this and you're destined for that. I believe that. I love you. I love them. I'm sure they're great people. My question is, what are you doing with what you got? What are you doing with your, with your opportunity to sing? What are you doing with your opportunity for children? Are you faithful to the simple things God wants you to do? And if you're not, why would God give you more if you can't handle what you've already been given? I tell this story all the time, and forgive me if it's redundant, but one of the greatest things my pastor ever did for me is that we, we, he wanted to go run some errands down in Saginaw, and he called me. I, I was in my trailer at the time. I didn't have 10 cents to my name. I had a little Pontiac Sunbird, and when it would rain the back, there'd be water on the back floor. Right? I could, never could find the leak. I put silicone on everything. I never could find the leak. <laughs> and 
he said, meet me down in Saginaw. I'm going to drop my truck off to get some work done on it. Then you and I can meet we'll, while they're doing that. We'll talk about a few things. I got to run some other errands. Then we'll come back and get my truck. And he never liked to waste time, right? So he came and he got in my car and he looked at me and I said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. This isn't a nice or a fancy car, but it, I promise you it's the best I've got. He said, I don't mind that it's not fancy or nice. He said, could you vacuum it? <laughs> He's helping me. And if you're not man enough for this kind of conversation, could you vacuum it? And I started to make an excuse. You don't understand. I don't have, I'm living in a trailer. I don't have 10 cents to my name. I don't have a fancy car. And he, before, I mean, these thoughts are rambling. Or I mean, just humbly speaking, everybody ain't you. I don't have a garage. I don't have this kind of prosperity. I had a carport on the outside of my trailer, but the wind came along and blew it over the side. I had to get rid of it for scrap metal. It was, it was like the best Pepsi can you ever turned in, but I mean, that was all I got. You brothers, you know what I'm talking about? I tried to get the insurance company to settle. They wanted to total out my trailer. It's all it was, the carport was worth more than the trailer. And that's where I'm living. And he says, could you vacuum it? And all I can think is I don't have a garage. I don't have a shop back. I don't have, I don't have. And he said, could you take it to a, to a car wash and use, it, use their coin-operated vacuum? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, what would that cost you, son? I said, 50 cents. He said, do you have 50 cents? Yeah. <laughs> He said, then it's not a money problem, is it, Ray? It's a stewardship. God is huge on stewardship. And if you're not taking care of what you have now, then don't, don't get mad at God for not adding more to you for you not to take care of. I don't mean to refer to Pastor Osteen so much, but it just, you know, I listen to him like a lot of people listen to Dr. Barclay. And Pastor Osteen said when he was young and he was dating his wife, Dodie, D-O-O-D-I-E, he was dating Dodie. He said to her one night he was under the moon and he was all in love. And he said, oh, Dodie, he said, I love you, Dodie, so much. He said, I wish I had a thousand arms to hold you. She said, John, I don't care what you do with a thousand arms. What are you going to do with the two you got? <laughs> God isn't wondering what you'll do with a million dollars. What are you going to do with the two you got? What are you going to do with the two you got? If you're not going to tithe on that, why would he add curse to your life and keep bringing you increase? Because it's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. Can you say amen? The things of the spirit are, they're not. Moses is getting Joshua ready for his future. Joshua doesn't even know it. I don't know if Moses even knows it. He may have and never said anything. Pastor made a good point. This is, I'll, pull, I'll give you credit tonight. After this, it's my sermon. But he made a, he made a great point. We were to, he brought out this point about Joshua on, on the way that Joshua was never with the people when they got into sin, right, they brought out the golden calf. But he, he wasn't with Moses either at the top of the hill. But the beauty to Joshua is he never left. And, and the point Pastor Pearl brought out is, to me in the truck, this is why you need good Christian friends. 
This is what I'm talking about. You catch things being around men of God. His point was this. He said, if you notice, when Joshua came down and they heard the sound, Joshua said, that's the sound of war. Moses said, no, it's not. That's the party going on. If Joshua had been with the people, he would have known that wasn't, wasn't war. He stayed where Moses put him all that time for 40 days. We're doing good to get people to show up two Sundays in a row. Hallelujah. But they want to be Joshua. But you haven't been faithful in what you've been given. Amen. One of the... Pastor was 1992. Pastor was invited to preach at a conference down in Cincinnati for Pastor Jim Crabb. I talked about Pastor. He, Pat, if you never met Pastor Crabb, he's just a wild man, yeah. right? Just it, it, if he was a battery, you could light your whole city off. <laughs> just hang on to him, amen. And he used to do a thing called Blazing a Trail in the Spirit conference. And he had a, a big a church and they were rocking and they had those old B3 organs or is it D3 organs? And I mean, I mean, it was it was hopping. And he had a guy out of the Marines named Lenny and he would high step across the front. And he had another guy that kind of did a Fred Astaire thing and get drunk in the Holy Spirit. There's another guy I'd stand about halfway back and he just yelled, Jesus. And I, I mean, you know, in the Lutheran church, we didn't do this. Right. <laughs> This was all new to me. You, you people freaked me out when I got saved. Amen. And I'll never forget in the middle of all of that, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I'm on the front row. And he says, I want you to notice that Nathan the prophet was still in charge of David the king. Okay. So I turned to pastor, worship and praise is going on, and I said, pastor, it strikes me the civil officials were always under the spiritual officials that God had put in charge, the prophets of the nation. God never, even though he gave them a king, he didn't put them in charge of the prophets. He said, talk to me about that after church. So we, after church, I couldn't hardly wait, man. I, I said, talk to me about this. And he opened his, his heart, his Bible, you know, and began to talk, began to teach me about all of that. Some time goes on, judges in our city began to call him. The prosecutor in our city began to call him. There's a judge that got cancer, began to call him. Could you please call him? I, I've been in his car when the federal officials would begin to call him and ask for, what do you see? What do you know in the spirit? What do you? And God was beginning to use him to help those people. I caught that. He never taught me about that back in the 90s. It didn't begin to go into work much until the late 90s and 2000s. And now I've been in the car with him. He, he can't even talk to those people when I'm in the car. The things of the spirit are caught. They're not taught. I'll close with this testimony and then we'll transition. But I was in the we had two services at that time and I was in the back of the church First service was over. I had shown up for the second. At that time, I still lived about a half hour away from church. So I came to the second service. And when I got there, pastor was up front praying for some people in between services, you know. And when he stood there and I looked up, this window of the spirit opened. It wasn't long, maybe five seconds. It opened and it shut. And I saw like this young tree, kind of like in its adolescence. 
and it stood there and it was strong and it was healthy. But what had happened is the top branches, the canopy as we call it, it had gotten so massive, so thick, there was so much in it, it was so busy as I would say it, that the base was having a hard time holding on to all of this. Nothing was wrong, but so much demand and so much growth had happened up top that the base was struggling to hold on to it all. And in my heart, I just saw that was him. God had given him so much that he was, he was doing it, but it was, it was a lot of effort for him to hold on to everything Jesus had demanded, put on a demand on his life. I said, well, then I'll help him. And in my heart, I just ran up and I put my hand and I began to try to steady that tree. That's what I've been trying to do for 35 years, is just help him hold on to what Jesus Christ gave him to do. I have my own ministry this trip. I'll be on the road like we talked about last night. I'll be on the road for six, um, six churches. I won't be home for two or three weeks. I get home from this trip on a, a Monday evening, and then I leave again on Thursday. I'll head for Oregon. I'm not even home for Easter. I'll be out Easter preaching right now. It looks like I'll be gone to California the last part of next month. So I'm not able to do in the church what I used to do. I have my own call. But when I'm home, I still go get pastor a cup of coffee. I'm still at all of the Holy Spirit conferences. I still sow into all of his meetings. Why? That's my, that's, that's home for me. That's, that's where I'm connected. Everything I have is because of that connection. That's where I learned to walk with God. That's where I caught the move of the Spirit. That's where I believed in my first dollars to give away to the ministry. Amen? He, I, I talk about this from time to time, and I, I, I really need to wrap up. We were on the front row of our church trying to pay off the church building and they gave a, they gave a uh, sheet of paper out and they said, we're believing that everybody will be able to give something to pay off our church building this year. And the plan was is if you went to go buy something and you found out it was on sale, you take the money that you saved and you take that money because you were gonna spend it anyways and you take that and you put it towards the church building. They were believing God that over the course of a year, they said, we believe God with you over the course of a year, you'll be able to give $5,000 to the building program. So you were supposed to take that sheet. It was perforated, tear it in half. And part of it, you turned in with your name so pastor could lay hands on that and pray over it. And then the other part of that it was a log sheet so you could keep record of your giving, whether it was a half, you know, a buy one, get one free whopper or whatever you were doing. So I, I took mine. And I put it in my Bible and I took it home. I never turned it in. And I'm in his car one night driving to the airport to go pick him up. And the Holy Spirit starts talking to me. He said, I want you to pledge to the building. Now I'm living in a trailer. I have one son, one daughter, opposites, you know, opposite sex. And they knew it. Wow, what a mixed up society. Without the church and the word of God, where would these people be? I, I got two kids. They're young enough that they haven't figured it out yet, but they know which one they are individually. They just don't know the other one ain't them yet. And I said, I said, OK, um, I, Lord, how am I going to give five thousand dollars to the building program? I can't even afford a decent trailer for my wife. 
He said, I want you to give 5,000 to the building program. I said, God, if you look in every account I got, you can add them all up, I guarantee you it ain't over $200. And that's being generous. I said, if I had 5,000, you could have my 5,000, but I don't have the 5,000. And he said it again. He said, Raymond, you know, it reminded me of my father, right? Last, Raymond, middle name, you better run. And I, he said, Raymond, I want you to pledge $5,000 to the building program. I said, okay, okay, okay. When I go home, when I go home, I'll tell Janine, we're going to pledge $5,000 to the building program. And then he said these words, a piece. I said, you go home. <laughs> You're everywhere. How do you tell this to your wife? Sitting there with two kids living in a trailer with frozen pipes, mice in the walls, no room for the mice, two by two walls. They're mad there's no room. <laughs> the wind down windows like the old hunting cabins didn't even have good, and the winter things would freeze. Are you kidding me? We began to be faithful, began to pledge, and God began to go to work. And over the course of time, within a year, both of us had had $5,000 and the benches had given $10,000 to the church building program. My whole trailer was only $9,800. Well, when I learned how to believe God for the house of God, then I could turn that hose on us. And I paid off that trailer, sold it, and I bought a house and then bought another house. The things of the spirit, folks, are caught. Pastor didn't tell me you have to give this money. Pastor's God told me. Right. You're better than this. You can do more than this. That paintbrush of God, that's what I'm talking about. He stretched me. Fast forward, I'm getting ready to go to the Philippines here last February. December for traveling ministers, there's not a busy month. Churches aren't having in guest speakers. So that began to put us in a dip. And then in January, coming out of that, you know, it takes a while for churches to get up and begin to have guest speakers. So we were believing God. I get this invitation that, to go to the Philippines and preach. I felt led to go. You know where I learned to believe God for that kind of money? Taking care of the church building when I was in the trailer. In fact, I, <laughs> I went on a fast in January for, for the money, but for other things, prim primarily for the other things. And I talked to your pastor, and he called me, and he, he said, you know, we're going to, he actually texted and said, I'm going to send you some money for the Philippines. And I called you, remember? I called pastor, and I said, listen, just so you know, I've met my budget. Everything's come in. I'm good. The only thing I'm lacking now is I'm believing God, because when I'm in the Philippines, I'm not out preaching, and so there's no offerings coming in. I'm just believing for something for when I come back, I'll be all right. And he said, well, I'm not only going to send you what I was going to, he said, but I'm going to add to it so you have enough for while you're gone. So I came in and I told my wife, Janine, what had happened. <laughs> Janine has never said this stuff to me before. She looks at me, she says, don't eat a thing. <laughs> the good news is it's working. The bad news is you can never have another morsel of food the rest of your days, brother, because it's working. Everything I've done, everything I learned was like Joshua. 
I learned how to walk in victories, helping my Moses walk in victories. When I came alongside and I got busy helping men of God like you, that's when I found God would talk to me. When I began to help him steady, that's when God began to help me. When I began to, to sow to the house of God, that's when God began to sow into my house and he began to teach me things. If, I, if you don't get anything else out of this, get this. God was basically teaching me your brain is lying to you. You can do this. I'll say it again. Your brain, my brain was lying to me. It said I couldn't. God said I could. That whole paintbrush of God, that's where that sermon comes from. God had to change how I saw me so I could. I was I was getting separated from my pastor, not because he was disobeying God, but because I can't see me as an armor bearer capable of doing these things. And it's causing a separation between me and him. I had to change. I had to upgrade. But that's okay because the things of the spirit are caught. They're not. Wasn't anything he taught me. It was just something he taught me. Does that make sense? Lord, I, I could tell testimonies for a long time yet. For a long time, you know. And yet I feel like I've obeyed you. I feel like we're there. I feel like we're there. If you in your heart Say, Brother Ray, this is, this is the message. This is what I needed to hear. This has been the missing element in my life and ministry. Would you stand with me right now? I want to pray for you. If you say in your heart, Ray, this is, this is I got to catch the spirit of God. I've got to catch this anointing. If you say that, that's me, that's me. That's the missing element in my life and ministry. Would you stand right now? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to bring you up. Just stand where you are. Just stand where you are. See, he's walking the aisles now. That's what he's doing. He's walking the aisles now. Every little assignment we are given Everything we are given is for a purpose. It's for a purpose. Lord, I pray, make us great at what we do today for you, Jesus. Make us great. If it's vacuum the car, may we vacuum that car. I don't care if we don't have a penny to our name. We'll find it. We'll find it. We'll find it. Somewhere, Lord Jesus, there's another Stephan. Such a hero to me. Somewhere, Lord Jesus, there's another Peter failing in business who has to connect to that anointing. Somewhere there's another Joshua, a slave in Egypt. But Lord, he was the commander of the Lord's army when you got done with him. When you got done with him. That pastoral gift in Moses changed that young man's life. Lord, do in us what you did in those scriptures. Do in Ray Bench what you did in Stephan. Do in Ray Bench what you did in, in Simon. Turn him into Peter. I've said it many times. Jesus really never met Peter. He met Stephan. He made Peter. 
Jesus really never met Paul. He met Saul of Tarsus, a crazy murdering man. And he made him into Paul. Lord, make us, make us, make us. Don't give up on us. Don't stop your work in us. Make us, Lord Jesus, into who you created us to be. We must become who you died for us to be. In Jesus' name, open the eyes of every person I pray standing. May we see in the realm of the Spirit. And if our brain is lying to us, thank you, Father, that you lead us out of all error. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm going to close. It's just I, the Lord's just ministering to people. You know, Julie, I'm just going to, I'm going to point this to you, but I mean this towards everybody. God has seen your many prayers. God has heard your cry as you take care of the kids and you go to work in your home. You've been talking to the Lord about different things. He's heard that. He sees that. That matters to him. Like any good mother, you love those children. You love your pastor. You love your man. And you are going to find this anointing that you hunger for and to find your place and to walk, to find your niche where you belong. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father, I pray for all of us. Whatever we're doing, we shouldn't be let it fall away and die. And what we should be doing, let we, may we grab hold of it stronger than we ever had it in our life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap. Go ahead, everybody. Hallelujah. Pastor, thank you for your time. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.